I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore, and I want to welcome our listeners back to Ticket to Ride, an insider look at the business of Hollywood. I want to welcome my esteemed co-host, Mike Polidoris, President of Paper Airplane Media. How are you, Mike, on this fine Monday, November 21st, 2022? I'm doing well, Paul. I'm doing well. I saw that you were kind of busy this weekend. I saw your name pop up in quite a few articles. Look, whenever the top movie is the same two weeks in a row, it's like, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, guess what? There's a lot to talk about. The main topic of interest for the trades, a variety in the rap in particular, is the fact that she said, and we'll get to this in a few minutes, but she said open to about 2.25 million and that was seen as a as a major disappointment but we'll talk about that in a few minutes uh, but notably there was a Boston Globe article talking about what's the major problem for movie theaters not enough movies and we you and I have been <laughs> talking about that for months and every week Mike I know in your newsletter that's read very widely that you generally do a recap of what is the year to date and then the number of wide release movies this year versus past years, particularly 2019. That's a great segue into where we are. And you're right, Paul, it's something you and I have been discussing for some time. And what we consider to be a wide release is something that's in 2000 locations or more when it opens. And if you look into going into the weekend, and Paul dug all these up uh, using Comscore's vast database, 2019 had, I believe, going into the weekend, 100 wide releases that had opened in 2000 or more. Yes. 2022 was only at 63 releases. So we were 37% off of the 2019 pace. And the interesting thing there is box office wise, however, going into the weekend, we were only off 33%. So we were looking at a 9.72 billion in 2019 to 6.51 this year. So as Paul likes to say, the 2022 slate seems to be punching above their weight class a little bit in a per movie kind of outlook there. It's interesting just to see that what has happened though, and this goes kind of into this weekend's box office. And, you know, we've talked about this as well. And that is that the lack of studio or major provider content, however you want to call it, has kind of created an opportunity for the event cinema group. And we saw that this week with the number three movie in the marketplace, The Chosen. Jesus, if you do not renounce your words, we will have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. the law of Moses. The Chosen is an interesting property. It's put together by a guy by the name of Dallas Jenkins, who was part of the Harvest Ministry. And Dallas has a large following and he crowdfunds The Chosen, which is a web app television series, faith-based. And last year, he surprised everybody working with Fathom. And they went out first weekend in December and the movie ended up doing in total almost $15 million. I believe it was about $14.75 million in total gross. This year, they came through and season three of The Chosen, they premiered episodes one and two this weekend. And it was, I believe they're going to come in around $8.2 million when it's all said. Yeah. And that's the number three film of the weekend. And that comes out of something that, you know, a few years ago, 
didn't even exist. And Fathom is not alone in that. We just saw our friends over at Iconic do over $10 million with Terrifier 2. And then we have Trafalgar, who is pretty much cornered the music business on this. And they've done a great job with things such as the BTS concert, the 21 Pilots concert, and most recently when they did it with the Coldplay concert. And I saw, I had the opportunity to see the Coldplay event in cinema three weeks ago, and it was pretty amazing to see a concert in a movie theater on the big screen. But what that's showing though, is there is now an opportunity for alternative content to make a significant impact on the box office itself. It's no longer just kind of an additive thing. It's now something that I believe exhibition, especially with the lack of content that we're talking about, have been leaning into. Well, you know, the lack of movies, as we've talked about, and in this Boston Globe article, they talk about how theaters are hungry for content, bottom line. And this lull, in a sense, of product has created an opportunity for something like The Chosen Season 3 to be number three when there's a Marvel movie at number one. This is pretty astounding. And Indian cinema as well. There's a movie at number nine called Drishyam 2, which made a million dollars in 305 theaters. We are seeing these types of Films, international cinema, events such as video gaming, as we talked about over this past year, concerts, and now a faith-based show that, by the way, was available on the app and yet did $8.2 million in movie theaters. While having that content at home, that opportunity was available for the audience. People still went out to the theater. I had people calling me going, what is this? What is this movie? I'm like, well, it's really not a movie. It's a show. And I think the grassroots marketing of this, obviously with the holidays coming up, I think there's a greater interest in something like this. That was really, I think, kind of cool. And back in 19, 2019 or earlier, I don't necessarily think that this would have happened, that there wouldn't have been the marketplace opportunity. There wouldn't have been the thought of having something like this in a movie theater. And beyond that, that it would even have a chance at being in the top five, let alone the top three. So that's pretty cool. Well, and here's the other thing to think about, too, is in a, you know, traditionally the event cinema, the alternative cinema, you know, it's a one night event, one show, one night. This is what we do. But because of the amount of interest in The Chosen and the amount of business that it's doing, Fathom has already said due to high demand, it will be extended through December 1st in theaters, which is, you know, for our friends in exhibition is great news. It makes sense. It's another piece of content that they have available that there is something for everybody in the marketplace. And I think we should look at when we're looking at the weekend that was, we talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which two weeks ago delivered, you know, what was it? The second largest opening of the year at $181 million. That's correct. Yes. It actually had, all things considered, a fairly strong hold this weekend. Yeah, it was a 63% drop, which is on par with uh, most of the other Marvel movies, although Thor Love and Thunder and Black Black Widow and some of the other more recent films dropped 68%, albeit with perhaps more competition in their second weekends. Still, and notably, Mike, I looked this up in our Comscore data. So for the MCU, the lowest second weekend drop was for the original Black Panther. That film had a 48% drop in that second weekend. That was coming off a President's Day holiday weekend. So that was most impressive, but still 63% drop. Black Panther Wakanda Forever now at 546 million globally heading into Thanksgiving. So uh, a fairly robust time in theaters. 
this year's Strange World opening, which by the way, even though I don't think there's the marketing spend behind it that it's at top of mind for everyone, I've heard it's quite an amazing film. So that's good news. And I think families will embrace that film over Thanksgiving. The thing that we've noticed is there hasn't been a lot of family film in the marketplace. Sony's had Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which is just kind of hung in there. Yeah. Opened up to right around $10 million. Because of the lack of family product in the marketplace, it just keeps churning it out weekend after weekend after weekend. You're so correct on that because Lyle Lyle has been out seven weeks and it was number seven this weekend. They kind of have the market cornered on that. And when I look at the numbers over the weekend, and I look at the lineup, a lot of R-rated fare because it is, after all, awards season. When we're ready to chat about this on this episode, she said the breaking of the Harvey Weinstein story, very well-reviewed, has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, but the trades reporting widely that it did not do well at $2.25 million for the weekend, despite having great reviews, awards potential, and all of that. But when you look at what the movies that are out there in the marketplace, there's a lot of drama films aimed at more mature audiences out there. You have She Said, The Banshees of Inisherin, Till, Triangle of Sadness, Tar, Armageddon Time, and also The Fablemans out there. And the audience isn't showing up in the numbers that I think it's a bevy of riches for mature audiences. But what do you think about this sort of glut of films that are awards style, but not necessarily box office catnip. What do you think's going on there? Well, it's interesting, Paul, and you and I have discussed this on on you know numerous occasions. And one of the things that I think you know we need to to look at is look. It's no secret. I think that the independent film has struggled to recover from the pandemic, probably, and it's been it's been a, a tougher road to hoe than the commercial films. You know, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. You know, I think one of those is that dramas such as she said are available in home via the streaming platforms more readily than some of the more commercial fare that's out there. So I think that has caused a little bit of the audience to struggle, I guess, using that word again, to to come back. Do you think there's an escapist or a need for audiences to have that escapist experience and that maybe some of these movies, again, award season movies generally are thought provoking, are challenging sometimes, but very fulfilling. But it just seems that these types of movies are, are just not, and they're all great movies Pretty much every one of these have been well-reviewed. Maybe people just want to go and check their brain at the door, which there's nothing wrong with that, and have a great time in the theater. Well, I, you know, here's, here's the other thing, too, Paul, you got you to gotta look at is something like she said is analogous to something like Spotlight a few years ago. Very important subject matter, very well-produced, very well-received. The issue being it's in some ways straight from the headlines that we're watching on the news today. Yeah. And it becomes somewhat medicinal. And I think those are always tougher films in good times and in bad to try to go out and get the audience to, to come out and see. So I think there's a little of that that, that might be going on. But I, the other thing I, I want to talk about, and you know, we've touched on this before, is the misnomer that the older audience isn't coming back or doesn't want to come back. And, you know, there's a movie that's in its fifth week that has quietly amassed, you know, almost $62 million at the box office, and that's Ticket to Paradise. Yeah. You know, here's a movie that going into it, 
I'm not sure where everybody thought that might end. You know, uh, you're talking about a rom-com, older, you know, older stars. Is it a genre that is passed? Is it something that, you know, should be better suited for Peacock than it is in theaters? And lo and behold, here we are. And the movie just keeps performing week after week. But Mike, it totally escapist fair. I mean, you, you tell people what this movie about, well, do you want to go to Bali with George Clooney and Julia Roberts and have a great time in an <laughs> idyllic setting? And you leave the theater feeling uplifted and, and have it, you know, laughing and really just feeling kind of that thing that escapist movies do where you are able to just sit in that movie theater for a couple of hours and have a great time. And that's decidedly different from some of these other movies but that's a good segue into another movie that was a very limited release, five theaters this weekend, Bones and All. It's too much. You gotta do this. We have to do it. You've been following me. And we got unfinished business. You know, I'm thinking I'm a bad person. Indie art house horror movie. The trailer has over 4 million views. It won a couple of awards at the 79th Venice Film Festival. And Timothy Chalamet is in it. A Best Young Actor Award going to Taylor Russell in recognition of her lead role in Bones and All. It's a United Artists release. That one looks really cool to me. But again, it's horror. And even though horror, and, and it's more than that, by the way, to just call it a horror movie doesn't do it justice. This is an award-winning film that's in just five theaters. Do you think this will pick up? I mean, it did 24000 per location. What do you feel about a, a movie like that that sort of bridges the gap between horror and art house? You know, the horror crowd can be a very sophisticated crowd. If you provide them with the right piece of content, uh, they'll come out and support it. And the fact that this movie went out and did twenty four grand to screen this weekend is very, very optimistic for uh, as this film expands over the uh, the next several weeks. But it's funny you talk about that because you've got another movie in the top ten, which was number two this weekend, The Menu, which is kind of a horror comedy, very kind of eclectic type of film, and uh, it scored. It went out and did about $9 million for Searchlight. I think that's a great result. I think that's probably on the high end of what they were looking for. That's really strong, Mike. And this movie got great reviews. But again, it looks like fun. Yeah. And the tagline, like if you just described it to somebody... And I, I saw a review that said, this is a great F you to foodies, <laughs> which I thought was a, a brilliant headline. And so to me, it may just be about that escape and needing that. And by the way, though, we don't, Mike, and by we, I mean <laughs> the royal we, we don't want yeah. studios to stop making independent, thought-provoking, awards caliber or style films for movie theaters. But if they don't make money, then how do you reconcile that? Are these lost leaders for studios and those filmmakers, they definitely want these movies in the movie theater. But you know what? Tastes change. People are fickle. The marketplace is fickle. What's cold today could be hot tomorrow. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. And I, I just don't want to see these movies go to the wayside or go straight to streaming because of the financial dynamics of the marketplace. It is the business of movies is what it comes down to. Mike, it's show business you're trying to say? Uh, you know, <laughs> emphasis on business sometimes. Yeah. I think we need to remember 
that it is a business is what it comes down to. And, you know, I know when I was working at Lionsgate, that would come up from time to time. It's like, you know, it's great. The art is important. We definitely want to, you know, let the creative people be creative at the end of the day. If we're not profitable, we're not going to be in a position where we can release these movies, whether they're commercial or whether they're more specialized. There needs to be a profitability factor that comes with it. But Mike, is it more about that or is it just... Is it about marketing is perhaps the message. It's hard to kind of, you know, dissect this or reverse engineer why a movie like, I mean, I kind of get it with She Said. It's very inside baseball, but something like Banshees of Inishirin actually looks kind of fun and interesting. And Till has gotten great reviews. Triangle of Sadness, everyone's talking about that one. But And by everyone, I mean those who have seen it. <laughs> and Tar is, is another one. These are all, like, I don't want to hear anyone complain. There aren't movies made for adults anymore and because they're out there. But if you got to support these movies as the audience, but you have to be aware that they're, that they're out there. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I think one of the struggles that has happened in, and this was happening pre-pandemic, and that is as the audience is moving away from traditional network television. Marketing to mass America has become more difficult. It used to be everybody's watching Happy Days Tuesday at eight o'clock. We can put an ad on there and everybody will see it. You don't have that luxury anymore. The only real appointment television you have is probably something like sports or maybe reality TV if there's a a big episode of whether it's America's Got Talent or American Idol or something like that. Marketing needs to be a little more creative on what they do. I know what we like to do a lot on the paper airplane side is we like to use our exhibitors and target market through their owned and operated channels, as they like to say, because they have a direct communication with moviegoers. But beyond that, you need to be creative in your marketing and you be you need to be able to get the message out so people know that it's in the marketplace. You're not wrong on that. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do anymore. And, you know, post pandemic, it's been even more of a challenge to be able to get that message out. Yeah, no question about it. And the Fablemans, uh, I want to just touch on that because it is expanding a bit over the Thanksgiving holiday. And the movie in its debut, it did like 180,000 in, in four locations and some had thought that was a little lackluster for that film. The second weekend now earned about 94,000 in those same four theaters, 23,500 a screen. It's up to like $314,000 right now. It's Spielberg, but it's a, a very personal film. It's not trying to be, for us film buffs, it looks very escapist and fun, but there's some, you know, deep issues in the film. How do we think this one's going to go as it, as it expands? It's interesting you talk about that because as we start looking ahead toward, you know, the real holiday season here for 2022, a couple of interesting things that are going on over Thanksgiving uh, weekend here. Gobble, gobble. We have two movies. You mentioned uh, Strange World uh, is opening. And we also have Devotion from Sony that, that's, right. that's opening. Those two are going wide this weekend. But then we have The Fablemans which is probably taking a page out of the La La Land playbook. And we're looking at about 600 runs this weekend. So they're going to be very targeted about where they go. It's going to be all the key upscale uh, theaters. And what they're going to want to do is keep the role of that solid per screen average moving into the holiday and award season. 
It's a great plan for a movie that delivers. And from everything that I've been able to discern on the Fablemans, I haven't seen it yet, but everything I've heard is that the movie really delivers to that audience. So it should play well through the holiday season. But then we have another movie that is kind of going to be in a little bit of a bubble that we're not going to be able to see much on this weekend. And that is the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a murder and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? Netflix picked up the rights, paid $450 million back in March of 2021 for the next two sequels, number two and number three, or next two installments, I should say. And Netflix doesn't report grosses. So from a industry standpoint, we're kind of going to be in the dark a little bit on how well that's doing. And Mike, that's a huge missed opportunity in terms of marketing, let's just say. And the first film, as you know, that it, it played for so long. Part of that was that in-theater buzz that was created. And now I think this could be a turning point where, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this, but the reporting of numbers is a marketing tool. In other words, if a tree falls in the forest, there's no one there to hear it. Does not make a sound? Well, if there's no box office reported, I, I didn't report on it. I, I, I wasn't able to. But I, I would think filmmakers, too, may have influence, unless I'm being naive on that, moving forward about, <laughs> you know, if your movie kicks ass in the movie theater, don't you want everyone to know it and scream from the rooftops? But it's much more complicated than what I'm saying right now. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably a little more in the know on this yep. one, just because uh, I worked on the original of course. Knives Out. And I was very intimately involved with, with the filmmakers on a daily basis as far as, you know, their expectations and what they wanted to do. And uh, they're great guys and they really value the theatrical experience. So I know this is important for them. But I also know that Netflix has a model. Right. And we go back to where we talked about the business of Hollywood. There's a business model for them that this fits into. It'll be interesting to see where this plays out. I understand right now it's looking like it'll be in about 650 locations this weekend. The plan is for the film to play in theaters for seven days, one week. They're then going to pull it out, and then it will be on the Netflix platform starting December 23rd. It'll be interesting to see if this is a one-off or if this is... But aren't we in a bit of a box office laboratory, so to speak? We're learning yeah. with every movie, and Netflix is learning. We're learning, obviously, the first film that you worked on, Knives Out. What a great movie. I hear this one's terrific as well. That's good news for the film. It's great news for the film and it's great news for the industry. And I think what we all need to take a step back on is, and I was talking to some people about this last week, there were some analysts that were had, had a couple of questions. And, and one of it was, you know, where do you see the business shaking out? How is it coming? <laughs> and I, you know, you, you take a look back at what happened through the pandemic. And obviously, it was horrible. Everything was shut down. If you want to take a couple of positives that came out from what we went through, I think the key thing was there, there was this kind of a shadow on our industry about the windows and what was going to happen. The studios had a view on how they wanted it to be. Exhibitors had a view on how they wanted it to be. Coming into the pandemic, we were looking at like, you know, 77 days or so to digital EST. And then 90 days to package was kind of the given. 
And then through the pandemic, all of that was out the window and every distribution pattern that possibly could be tried was tried. At the end of the day, our studio friends came to understand that a theatrical window is very important. Whether that window is now 45 days or 30 days or 17 days, that's up for debate. But the one thing I think that they've all figured out is that there is a value in having the theatrical window. We'll go back to Ticket to Paradise real quick. And that is, you know, movie goes out and does 61 million, went on VOD two weeks ago, 1999, you can buy it at home. Very little impact on the theatrical box office. That's right, Mike. It didn't. I don't think that the uh, big screen and the small screen are adversarial. I think they're complementary and additive. A big piece of news before we wrap uh, the two Bobs, Bob Iger and Bob Chapek, <laughs> Disney, we can't, we don't have enough time to really get into this, but that is certainly huge news over this most current weekend. So much in the balance there with Disney, all their assorted brands under their wing. We'll have to see what happens if there'll be any changes, uh, at least within the, the cre- on the creative side, you know, MCU and the Marvel phase four with Lucasfilm and all those big properties, what may happen going forward. Again, we don't have much time to to touch on it, but worth noting that's huge industry news this past weekend. It was a big one. And, uh, you know, it was interesting how uh, Disney announced it right before the Elton John concert was streamed on Disney Plus last night. Oh, is that right? That's really interesting. Timing is everything, right? Timing is everything on that. And we're in tough times right now as far as, uh, you know, making these entertainment conglomerates work. And theatrical is just a piece of the overall ecosystem of these studios. But these properties are very, very important. And when you have a company like Disney, something like a Marvel property or something like even something like Frozen means so much money to the bottom line as you take it through all the different ancillaries. And, you know, when you're a company like Disney, you're talking about merchandising. You're talking about licensing. You're talking about if you can launch something theatrically and create a product that has a aura around it. It's billions of dollars of revenue. No pressure there, right, Mike? No, no, no pressure on the on the CEO no, of a company like that. And I think too, fans, the fan base has been divided a lot on some of the phase four movies and some of the Star Wars films. So this is a passionate fan base that you can't hide from. Any big decisions made on the creative side are under a a microscope and really examined by the fans. So it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. And of course, their next huge movie, and we'll be talking much more about this in a future episode of A Ticket to Ride, is Avatar The Way of Water. So we'll be I'll be looking forward to talking to you about that on our podcast, Mike, Ticket to Ride. An insider look at the business of Hollywood. Memorize it, don't forget it, and come back every week because Mike and I will be here discussing all the big issues affecting the business of Hollywood. So, Mike, thanks for being here. I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Have a good one, Paul. Thank you, Mike. See you soon. 